At the Canaan Church, our mission is bringing people to Christ and helping every person to become a mature disciple in Christ. Canaan Christian Church, where people dare to dream. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 12. Now there are 28 verses in chapter 12. Uh, and there's four sections that we will look at in chapter 12. Today we're going to look at no more than the first two sections. And we may not get to section two, but we will seek to look at perhaps section one and section two. So I just want to read verses 1 through 12. Verses 1 through 12. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. But she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The words of the wicked are, are lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. A man will be commended according to his wisdom, but he who is of a perverse heart will be despised. Better is the one who is slighted but has a servant than he who honors himself but lacks bread. A righteous man regards the life of his animal, but the tender mercies of the wicked are cruel. He who tills his land would be satisfied with bread, but he who follows fervorlessly is devoid of understanding. The wicked covet the catch of evil men, but the root of the righteous yields fruit. We'll stop there for today because that will take care of section one and section two. Now, of course, we understand that Proverbs is speaking to us about the wisdom of God, and all of us need to live with godly wisdom. We want God to direct our steps. We want God to order our steps. And we want to live our lives within the boundaries or the confines of the will of God. How can I know God's will for my life? I must know his word. The psalmist says, Thy word, O God, have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And one of the spiritual disciplines that I have shared with us on Sunday morning was about feeding on the word of God. And we talked about what are the implications of the word of God. How does God's word bless us? How does God's word strengthen our lives? Jesus says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that um, proceeds from the mouth of God. So we thank God for godly wisdom. Now, when you look at chapter 12, uh, verse 2, a good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. 
When you look uh, at verse 28, the last verse, um, you see, in the way of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. Amen. Uh, let me also point out, uh, I point out verse 2, let me do it again. A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. Look at verse 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are his delight. Twice in chapter 12, the Lord's name is mentioned. In verse 2 and in verse 22, the Lord's name is mentioned, the Lord, which means in chapter 12, the writer is saying that there are some things that delight God. There's some things that delight God and there's some things that don't set well with God. And so again, when we talk about the wisdom of God, we're talking about what is it that God wants us to do that honors him, that pleases him, that blesses him, and then what are the things that if we engage in, it disrupts our relationship with God. I believe one saved, always saved. I believe that if you're saved, you cannot lose your salvation. But while one cannot lose their salvation, I also believe that it is possible that as a Christian we can live our lives so loosely or carelessly that we can do things that can disrupt our relationship with God, things that can break our fellowship with God. But I want fellowship with God. I said I want fellowship with God. I'm not the one who just wants to wait until Sunday morning and feel like I can feel his presence in the sanctuary. I'm the one who wants to feel his presence when I'm driving my car. I'm the one that wants to feel his presence when I'm brushing my teeth in the morning. I'm the one who wants to say he walks with me and talks with me, right? Anybody else? You want to feel God every day during the week who am I looking at that can say, Pastor, I was in the kitchen the other day washing the dishes and I started thinking about God's goodness. I like to broke something up in there, right? Huh? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, you see? So, so the writer of Proverbs is saying to us that it, it makes a difference in our lives in terms of how we live in relationship with God. In chapter 12, we're going to find, again, the contrast, the contrast between righteousness and wickedness, the contrast between right and wrong, goodness and evil. Now, there are four uh, sections to chapter 12. The first one is learn and stand. Learn and stand. That's chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Learn and stand, chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. The second section is praise and blame. Praise and blame. That's chapter 12, verses 8 through 12. The third section is speech and silence. That's chapter 12, verses 13 through 23. 
Speech and Silence, chapter 12, verses 13 through 23. And then the fourth session is Diligence and Laziness. And that's chapter 12, verses 24 through 28. Diligence and Laziness, chapter 12, verses 24 through 28. Chapter 12 of Proverbs opens and closes with a focus on the blessing or fruitfulness of wisdom. So when I read verse 2 in chapter 12 and when I read, read verse 28 in uh, chapter 12, the, the book of Proverbs chapter 12, it opens and closes with a focus on the blessing or fruitfulness of wisdom. God's wisdom can and God's wisdom will make a difference in your life. Let me say it again. God's wisdom can and God's wisdom will make a difference in your life. So again, I'm going to give us a minute, just about three seconds to just pause and parenthetically, let's give God a hand clap of praise right now. Yeah. Pastor, why are you pausing for us to give God some praise? Because God is blessing you and I right now. Now, how has he blessed me right now, Pastor? Because what God is doing right now is he's making an impartation into your life, giving you wisdom, not the wisdom of the world, but the wisdom of God is being deposited into your life right now through his word. And godly wisdom can and it will make a difference in your life. Praise be to our God. The way of discipline and correction is for those who love knowledge. The way of discipline and correction is for those who love knowledge. That's chapter 12, verse 1. The way of righteousness for those who desire life. So, if I'm going to be the kind of Christian that God wants them to be, I got to have some discipline. Because discipline and correction is going to be for those who love knowledge. So I want knowledge and I want truth, so I've got to live a disciplined life. And I also want to pursue righteousness because I desire what? Life. Come on, everybody, just holler life. Now, when I say life, I'm not talking about bios. I'm not talking about just the physicality of our existence. But again, I'm talking about the life that Jesus talked about. The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you might have what? Life. And that you might have it more abundantly. Now, that is the Greek word zoe, which means a God-qualified life. There is a vast difference between existing and living. To exist, you get up in the morning and have some Cheerios, you go about the work, you have some lunch, then you have something in the evening to eat, you go back to bed, you get back up and do that all over again. That's not living, that's existing. But God says, I want you to have life. Life begins when you live your life in sync with who the Creator created you as the creature to be. 
Life starts when you come into a relationship with God that you begin to understand that there's something greater to me than my physical being. I am a person made with a spirit so I can live my life in harmony with God. I can have such an intimate relationship with God that I, I can have the mind of God. I can have the heart of God. I was made to worship God. I was made to be loved by God and God's going to love me. He has a purpose and a plan for my life and that purpose and plan was 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 uh uh, established in the Godhead before I was born into the world and what has happened that now that I've come into a saving relationship with God that purpose, that plan, that vision, that dream can be fulfilled in my life that's living that's life and for that we give God glory as we allow God to pour wisdom into our lives, we're able to share and bless the lives of others with the wisdom of God. God gives us wisdom, not just to have it, but to share it. Come on, look at somebody with a smile and say, I got something to share with you. Yeah. I got something to share with you. And what I want to share with you is the wisdom of God. I'm going to be doing a series of teachings through the book of Nehemiah and uh, I've, I've already finished the one for chapter 1 and chapter 2 so I'm now starting to work on chapter 3 in Nehemiah and uh, when I deal with chapter 3 in Nehemiah Robert I'm going to talk about live for something bigger than yourself. Hmm? Live for something bigger than yourself. If God gives you wisdom and shows you how to live the Christian life, why keep that to yourself? Share it with somebody else. Because when you do that, that's what's going to enable you to help lead someone else into a saving relationship with God. Now, in this chapter, like others, there is this contrast, as I told you, between righteousness and wickedness. So let's look then at this first section, Learn and Stand, chapter 12, uh, verse 1 through 7. Let's look at verse uh, 7 real quick. Verse 7 is a kind of summary statement uh, for this first section. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. That's a kind of summary verse, if you please, for the first section, which is chapter 12, verses 1 through 7. Now, look at verse 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. The contrast between love of knowledge with hating correction, that's the contrast. The contrast is between those who love knowledge with those who hate correction. The opposite of knowledge is more than ignorance. The opposite of knowledge is more than ignorance. It is allowing that lack of knowledge to motivate and drive one's action. Mm. Ain't that something? The lack of knowledge is deeper than Aaron just being ignorant. The, the, the lack of knowledge or the opposite of knowledge 
has to do with allowing. I don't have knowledge, but I'm going to allow that lack of understanding to motivate and drive the way I live. So that's why my translation of this verse says, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. See, you can go from being ignorant to just being stupid. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. There is a difference between loving discipline, teaching, and correction that warns of possible errors and correction which speaks to errors already committed. There is a knowledge, there is a teaching, there is a correction that can be preventive. Sometimes God has given us a word to keep us from hurt, harm, and danger. It prevents you from getting in a precarious place. It keeps you out of trouble. Anybody grateful for that? Yeah, I'm grateful for knowledge, wisdom, teaching, correction, that so orders my steps that I don't put myself in a place where the devil can do me harm. But there's also a knowledge, a teaching, and correction that can bring restoration after you have made an error. I'm pausing for somebody to say, thank you, Jesus. Maybe you've never made a mistake. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one. But I have made some mistakes. But I'm thankful to God for the discipline wherein there was a word given to me, a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom, a word of correction that said, Walter, this was a mistake, this was not good, this was wrong, this was bad, but this word is to bring you back into alignment. This word is to bring you back into a right relation with God. This word is to bring cleansing in your life so you can be back in a harmonious relationship with God. Thank God for that, right? But you got to, Brother Mills, you got to love knowledge to receive that. The problem of some people is they can't accept Stephanie correction. Yeah. But you ought to thank God for a corrective word. Let's look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, A good man obtains favor from the Lord, but a man of wicked intentions he will condemn. This, 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 um, uh, this, this man of wicked intentions, uh, it could be translated the crafty man or one who schemes. Have y'all ever known anybody that schemes? They are a schemer. 
You know, Jacob was known as a schemer, wasn't it? Jacob was known as a trickster. He, he tricked his brother Esau out of his birthright. He, he followed the, uh, the guidance of his mother, Rebecca, who made a great error, who sent him to talk to his daddy, Isaac, and she put some skin on him, looked like it felt like a sheep, you know, and, and Jacob could cook. And he lied, told his daddy that he was Esau. Esau, uh, Isaac was old in age, he was almost blind, and he deceived his own daddy. He was a schemer and a trickster. Have you ever met anybody like that? In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4, there is the word discretion, which means also talks about discernment. Now, in chapter 1 of Proverbs, verse 4, discernment there is about having the ability, Rhonda, through discernment to know how to do the right thing and how not to follow the wrong person or the wrong advice. But discernment can be used the right way, but discernment can also be used in a wrong way. So discernment means one can determine what is right. Here the skill is used to devise wrong. <clears throat> God gifts us, does he not? He gifts us. Look at somebody and say, I'm gifted. Yeah. I may not have your gift, and you may not have my gift, but all of us are gifted. Now here's the question. How are you using your gift? What are your intentions? When we talk about the gifts that God gives us, we're now giving expression to the anointing of God upon our lives. Some people look at you and they understand that there's something special about you. The hand of God is on your life and they can tell that you are an anointed individual. The anointing doesn't have to do with a fuzzy feeling. The anointing has to do with God's presence and God's power. The anointing of God is only given for an assignment. He gives you the anointing so you can fulfill your assignment, you can fulfill your purpose in life. But it is possible to abuse or misuse or misrepresent the anointing so that rather than using the anointing of my gifts to glorify God it is possible that one can misuse the anointing to advance themselves and again that's why we need discernment because everything that shines ain't silver <laughs> I'm going old school again I gotta be careful giving these old statements because I started sounding like I'm ancient. Everything glitters ain't gold, right? You know? That's what grandmama said, Sister D. <laughs> yeah. You know? But you have to have discernment because sometimes, you know, people who are coming at you who seem to have so much personality and, and all of this and presence, you know, you have to listen to see what is the intention. The writer of Proverbs says that the righteous person, they have the intentions uh, of showing favor from the Lord.
but a man of wicked intentions will be condemned. Let's look at verse 3. Verse 3 says, A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. The focus here is on the phrase, root of the righteous. Root of the righteous cannot be moved. God takes care of the righteous. When you look at the, at the book of Jeremiah, Israel goes into captivity because they had failed God. And Jeremiah had to tell them that God's got a point when he's going to have enough and he's going to allow the Babylonians to come in and to destroy the holy city and take you into captivity. And uh, false prophets were telling Israel that that would never happen because they didn't want to hold Israel accountable. But Jeremiah says, God ain't going to play with you. And they did go into captivity, but it was Jeremiah who came back and said, God says, after 70 years, I'm going to bring you out because I know that the hopes, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not of evil, and to bring you to an expected end. That's the root. The people of God will stand. I said the people of God will stand. Yeah. Uh, Jesus never said that if you follow him that you'll never have a time in your life where you wouldn't have to cry. He never said that you'll live a life that is absent of trials and tribulations. He didn't say you was going to be exempted from sorrow and struggle. He said in this life you shall have tribulation but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. It's like that metaphor of the palm tree that when the storm is raging and the wind is blowing, that tree will just what? Bend over and almost touch the ground, right? Yeah. That wind got high last night. It got high last night. My, my wife, Stephanie Samuel, was giving me messages all day yesterday. Walter, they say it's going to be stormy today. Later on, Walter, they're saying that the wind's going to get high in Louisville, Kentucky. Walter, I just want to tell you now, it's supposed to happen between this time period. And then about 2 o'clock this morning, we were hearing the chimes outside the house. You know, I could hear the wind whistling and blowing. Stephanie, she woke me up at 2 this morning. Walter, you think we need to go downstairs? She said, Walter, I, I put some shoes beside the bed. I said, put some shoes. She said, they said put some shoes beside your bed so that if there's a hurricane, you can slip your shoes on right quick and go. I said, Sandra, go to sleep, please. Go to sleep. This morning, I said, we still here, baby. We still here. <laughs> the wind can blow so hard that that palm tree just leans over and kisses the ground. But when the, when, but when the storm has passed over, it comes right back up and it's still standing. I need to encourage about five of you all who may be going through something, stand. And after having done all to stand, keep on standing. Because you have the kind of root system 
You have a root system that gives you the spiritual vibrancy. You have spiritual sap inside of you. You've got hidden strength, hidden power that God can keep you in the strongest storm. And for those of you who may have forgotten, I don't care how strong a storm is, I don't care how long a storm lasts, sooner or later, every storm will pass over and you'll still be standing. Oh, bless our God. Yeah. Look, look, look at verse 4. An excellent wife is the crown of her husband. But she who causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Lord, have mercy. This is the image of the worthy woman. The image of the worthy woman. And uh, when we get to the end of Proverbs, you know, Proverbs is the book of the Bible that talks about the virtuous woman. Who can find her, right? It says to every husband, if you have a virtuous woman as your wife, you didn't find her. God sent her to you. If you sit by your husband, look at him and say, you better listen right now. If you sit by your husband, just tell him, say, you better listen right now. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't find me the Lord sent me to you if you're sitting by your husband and say baby you sure couldn't afford me now if you're sitting by your husband I'm talking scripture now the Bible says he couldn't afford you amen look at Sandra she ain't said nothing all morning now she's back to amen amen Lord, she's standing on her feet. I've been, I've been, I preached all year last year. She ain't stood up one time. I did an excellent job Sunday, Aaron. I'm getting text messages from everybody. How wonderful my teacher was Sunday. She ain't stood up. She sits right up there. She's just sitting there. Now this morning, I'm talking about the virtuous woman you can't afford. And she's up there. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So, so the psalm, the, the, the writer of Proverbs is talking about this worthy, this worthy woman. Uh, write this down, Ruth chapter 3 verse 11, you hear again about the worthy woman. The worthy woman. And, um, but then you think about back in chapter 11, right? We just finished chapter 11, and in chapter 11, the, the writer talks about the woman who's not worthy He's, you remember chapter 11, the woman's not worthy. He says, like a pig with an 18-carat ring in the nose. Ain't that an awful picture? An 18-carat ring in the nose of a pig. It's still a pig, <laughs> right? These metaphors, these languages, sister Mills, that the writer uses, a, a, like a, an unworthy woman is like a pig with a ring in its nose. And now he says that this same unworthy woman uh, causes shame is like rottenness in his bones. Now let me help the husbands and the brothers. The writer of Proverbs is trying to warn us that if, you, if you're single and you're trying to find a wife, 
You, you need to make that choice on the basis of something beyond beauty. You ought to be deciding who's going to be your mate past the uh, 36, 22, 36. Right? Look past the body. Look past the face. Look past the beauty and start looking at character. It's not how beautiful she is. It's what kind of character does she have. Right? And the same thing could be said to women who are desirous of trying to find the man that God would have you to have. It ought to be beyond tall, dark, and handsome. Amen. Now, let's look at verse 5. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. The contrast, it is contrast between plans and advice focuses attention on the intentions of persons, their deliberations on what they will and will not do. It's connected to what I said earlier um, in, in verse 2. In verse 2. Verse 5 again, the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Um, character is who I am. A reputation is what people say about me. But character is who I am. And I am who I am not only on Sunday, I am who I am on Monday. On Tuesday, I'm who I am daytime or nighttime. I am who I am whether I'm in Louisville, Kentucky or whether I'm in Dubai. I am who I am. It is an issue of character. And character is going to determine the intentions of your life, the goal of your life, the aim of your life. Because the only thing that can come out of you is what's in you. Amen. And if people are around you long enough, and if you are perceptive enough, you'll come to recognize what kind of a person you're dealing with. Because at some point, who they are is going to come out. Teach up in here, Walt Malone Jr. That's why you ought not be overnight to call somebody your friend. And that's why you have to be slow and careful about who you allow in your space. Because real friendship, real friendship takes time. Because it takes time for you to really come to recognize who it is that has entered into your space. It takes time for people to show the intentions of their heart. Amen. I have met people in my ministry, in my years of pastoring, who initially I thought were going to be uh, one of my best and truest friends. But time showed me that they wasn't who I thought they were. So I had to make some adjustments. I couldn't keep allowing them to have 
space in my life because I found out that they were not true to who they wanted me to think they were. On the other hand, I have met people who, when I first met them, it looked like it was kind of rough. You know, their personality didn't come across as warm and as welcoming as I might would have wanted the person to present themselves. But time revealed to me that they were people who had depth of character. They were people who really did care about me, who wanted the best for me. And it may have been that their personality was such different from mine that I didn't perceive it right away. But see, uh, you need people in your life who ain't just like you. You, you, you need some people whose background, whose experience, and so forth, you know, is of such that they can add to you. And you need people who will tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. But you need people who will tell you the truth, not what you want to hear. Amen. And so righteousness makes the difference. Everybody say with me, righteousness, righteousness. Makes, the difference. makes the difference. What I'm trying to say to you, beloved, all of us who say we are Christians ought to want to live our lives in such a way that we don't bring hurt or harm to anybody else's life. Because I'm promising you, their blood is going to be on your hands. And you don't, you, you don't want to meet Jesus with that on your hands. Are you listening to me? You, you ought to want to carry yourself in such a way where the only thing that could be said about you with, in relationship with other people is that you blessed them. Not that you harmed Sister Dean, Paul has more letters in the New Testament records than any other writer. He has more than anybody. I ain't got one letter in there. <laughs> I don't have a paragraph. <laughs> He's got more letters than the New Testament than other writer. It is said of Paul that he was the greatest interpreter of the mind of Christ. When you read his second letter to Timothy, Paul's in prison. You know, he stayed in prison more than he did being free. Read his resume. He had trials and trouble and suffering and struggle throughout his ministry. He's in prison. He knows this time that on other occasions I got out. But Sister Dean, he knows this time I'm not going to get out. So he starts saying, um, I'm ready. My departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. But he's in a cold dungeon cell. And while he's in that cell, he asks for certain things to be done on his behalf. One is he said to somebody, bring me a cloak. I need a cloak because it's cold down here. I needed to put it over me because I'm cold. Then he sent word, bring me my books. 
I'm, I know I ain't getting out. I know I'm going to die. But before I die, I'm still not through studying about Jesus. He just wanted to keep learning. But here's the one that got me. He said, go get John Mark and bring John Mark to me. Because John Mark was the young understudy that was with him and with Barnabas when John Mark did something to let Paul down. He didn't follow through on an assignment as he should have. And when he let Paul down, Paul said, John Mark ain't going with us on the next mission journey. Barnabas, whose name means son of encouragement, said to Paul, no, Paul, come on now. You got to let John Mark go. And uh, Paul said, no, Barnabas, he ain't going with us because he let me down. And Barnabas said, well, Paul, now, if you don't let John Mark go, I ain't going with Paul. said, well, I guess you ain't going. <laughs> so now it's Paul and Silas. He, he wouldn't let John Mark go because John Mark had let him down. He had offended Paul. But now Paul's about to die. And he understands that I've held this hammer over John Mark's life all this time. I didn't forgive him for how he let me down. Paul says, I'm not ready to see Jesus like this. Before I see Jesus, before I close my eyes, I need to get this thing with John Mark cleaned up. I want you to bring John Mark to me because I want to tell John Mark I'm sorry for what I did. I'm sorry for not letting you go with me on the next mission. I need to clean it up. I wonder who I'm looking at right now who needs to go find your John Mark. I wonder who I'm looking at right now who God is trying to say, you ain't going to be ready to see me until you get it right with your John Mark and you need to get that right before you die and before John Mark dies. People who are Christians want to live their lives where they don't hurt other people. They don't harm other people. Sometimes you can hurt people and you didn't intend to do it but you did it. So even if you didn't intend to do it, but you know what you did was wrong, be man enough, be woman enough, be Christian enough to go and say, I'm sorry. I know this wasn't right. I know I didn't do you right. I know this came out the wrong way. But I want to say, I'm sorry. I hope you forgive me. Anybody listening to me? See, the wicked don't care. <laughs> Boy, that wicked person will hurt you and say, so be it. Woo! Help me, Jesus. Well, here it is. Look at verse 6. Verse 6, the words of the wicked are lie in wait for blood, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. Yeah, the focus is on speech 
The focus is on speech. Some folk, they just waiting for you to fall so they can talk about you. Yeah. They're just waiting on you to mess up. Yeah. Yeah, they're just, they're just waiting on you. Sister Dorsey, that's one of the reasons why uh, I try to do right. <laughs> I re it is a motivation for me because I say, now, you know, you, you're Dr. Walter Malone, Jr. You pastor of the Canaan Christian Church. Your name in Canaan is recognized and known all over this city, state, and even in many places all over the country. I said, boy, now I'm just using this as an example. I'm just using it as an example. <laughs> I said, boy, if you get a DUI, you know, driving under the influence, and that shows up in the newspaper. <laughs> Woo! I said, man, you got enemies in this city who will run with that like nobody's business. Did you see? Did you read? Malone was, was arrested for being drunk. I say to myself, I don't need to give them that opportunity. Hello. See, I can talk about me. I won't talk about you. But I'm telling you, it ain't just me. There are people just waiting for you to fall <laughs> so they can start gossiping. I tell people, if people would share gospel like they share gossip, save the world two or three times, but the righteous will deliver. The righteous person seller is the person that if you fall, rather than talking about you, rather than condemning you, they're going to reach down and pick you up and say, maybe you failed, but seller, come get up. It's okay. God gives you a tomorrow. And if God gives you a tomorrow, I'm going to give you a tomorrow. Because God ain't so much interested in where you've been as it is where you're going. See, some people will pray for you, P-R-A-Y, but some people will pray on you, P-R-E-Y. Sandra and I, we live in the country. We, I didn't intend to live in the country, but we live in the country. She grew up in the country. I grew, I'm a city boy. I grew up in the city. But she loves the country. She loves it. If I, she had a way, I'd have a couple of horses, cow, a pig, you know, she's a country girl. I'm a city boy. Out there where we live, I don't know how it happens in the city, but deers get hit sometimes, squirrels get ran over, possums get killed, uh, skunks, we got all that out there, foxes. But I've noticed whenever one of them gets killed, no, no city, nobody comes out there to get them, to clean it up. Because we have our own cleanup crew out there. They sit in trees like this here, just waiting for something to die. They look like a 
undertakers. They're buzzards. And I'm telling you, when one of them dies, I saw this morning, there's about 10 of them on one deer. Now today is uh, Wednesday. It'll be no sign that that deer ever died by Saturday. Because they're going to take care of it. Eat that deer up, Robin, and no sign that deer ever got hit or died. There are some people like that. They're just waiting for you to die. They just want to not pray for you, but pray on you. But thanks be unto God for people who will pray for you and who will not condemn you, but who will consider the fact that it is only by the grace of God that they may not have done that or something worse. Look at verse 7. And we're going to stop with the first section. The wicked are overthrown and are no more, but the house of the righteous will stand. Uh, I'm not going to take time today because we're out of time because it's 11.59, but next Wednesday, I'm going to start the study out right here, and I'm going to have you to read Psalm 37, verse 34 through 37. But you can read that this evening. When you leave here and go home, read Psalm 37, the 37th Psalm, verses 34 through 37. Because the writer of Proverbs and the psalmist says, don't, don't get it twisted. Don't think that the wicked are going to win and the righteous are going to lose. No, the righteous are going to win and the wicked are going to lose. Yeah, because when it's all said and done, like we said earlier in this study of the day, God's going to keep you standing. Amen. He'll keep you standing. Your trouble ain't going to be always. Amen. They that wait upon the Lord, shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not get weary. They'll walk and not faint. Weeping may endure for a night, but what's going to come in the morning? Joy is going to come in the morning. After every crucifixion, God has a resurrection. And he's going to raise you higher than you were before you were crucified. Amen. God be praised. God. The people represent the church no matter where we are, so stay connected 